When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The law of evidence, also known as the rules of evidence, encompasses the rules and legal principles that govern the proof of facts in a legal proceeding. These rules determine what evidence must or must not be considered by the trier of fact in reaching its decision. The trier of fact is a judge in bench trials, or the jury in any cases involving a jury. The law of evidence is also concerned with the quantum, amount, quality, and type of proof needed to prevail in litigation. The rules vary depending upon whether the venue is a criminal court, civil court, or family court, and they vary by jurisdiction. The quantum of evidence is the amount of evidence needed, the quality of proof is how reliable such evidence should be considered. Important rules that govern admissibility concern hearsay, authentication, relevance, privilege, witnesses, opinions, expert testimony, identification and rules of physical evidence. There are various standards of evidence, standards showing how strong the evidence must be to meet the legal burden of proof in a given situation, ranging from reasonable suspicion to preponderance of the evidence, clear and convincing evidence, or beyond a reasonable doubt. There are several types of evidence, depending on the form or source. Evidence governs the use of testimony, for example, oral or written statements, such as an affidavit, exhibits, for example, physical objects, documentary material or demonstrative evidence, which are admissible, i.e., allowed to be considered by the trier of fact, such as jury, in a judicial or administrative proceeding, for example, a court of law. When a dispute, whether relating to a civil or criminal matter, reaches the court there will always be a number of issues which one party will have to prove in order to persuade the court to find in his or her favor. The law must ensure certain guidelines are set out in order to ensure that evidence presented to the court can be regarded as trustworthy. History. The rules of evidence were developed over several centuries and are based upon the rules from Anglo American common law brought to the New World by early settlers. The purpose is to be fair to both parties, disallowing the raising of allegations without a basis in provable fact. They are sometimes criticized as a legal technicality, but are an important part of the system for achieving a just result. Perhaps the most important of the rules of evidence is that, in general, hearsay testimony is inadmissible although there are many exceptions to this rule. In England and Wales, the Civil Evidence Act 1995, Section 1, specifically allows for admission of hearsay evidence, legislation also allows for hearsay evidence to be used in criminal proceedings, which makes it possible for the accuser to induce friends or family to give false evidence in support of their accusations because, normally, it would be rejected by the presiding authority or judge. There are several examples where presiding authorities are not bound by the rules of evidence. These include the military tribunals in the United States and tribunals used in Australia to try health professionals. Relevance and Social Policy In every jurisdiction based on the English common law tradition, evidence must conform to a number of rules and restrictions to be admissible. Evidence must be relevant, that is, it must be directed at proving or disproving a legal element. However, the relevance of evidence is ordinarily a necessary condition but not a sufficient condition for the admissibility of evidence. For example, 
relevant evidence may be excluded if it is unfairly prejudicial, confusing, or the relevance or irrelevance of evidence cannot be determined by logical analysis. There is also general agreement that assessment of relevance or irrelevance involves or requires judgments about probabilities or uncertainties. Beyond that, there is little agreement. Many legal scholars and judges agree that ordinary reasoning, or common sense reasoning, plays an important role. There is less agreement about whether or not judgments of relevance or irrelevance are defensible only if the reasoning that supports such judgments is made fully explicit. However, most trial judges would reject any such requirement and would say that some judgments can and must rest partly on unarticulated and inarticulable hunches and intuitions. However, there is general, though implicit, agreement that the relevance of at least some types of expert evidence, particularly evidence from the hard sciences, requires particularly rigorous, or in any event more arcane reasoning than is usually needed or expected. There is a general agreement that judgments of relevance are largely within the discretion of the trial court, although relevance rulings that lead to the exclusion of evidence are more likely to be reversed on appeal than are relevance rulings that lead to the admission of evidence. According to Rule 401 of the Federal Rules of Evidence, FRE, evidence is relevant if it has the tendency to make the existence of any fact that is of consequence to the determination of the action more probable or less probable than it would be without the evidence. Federal Rule 403 allows relevant evidence to be excluded if its probative value is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice, if it leads to confusion of the issues, if it is misleading or if it is a waste of time. California Evidence Code Section 352 also allows for exclusion to avoid substantial danger of undue prejudice. For example, evidence that the victim of a car accident was apparently a liar, cheater, womanizer, and a man of low morals was unduly prejudicial and irrelevant to whether he had a valid product liability claim against the manufacturer of the tires on his van, which had rolled over resulting in severe brain damage. Presence or Absence of a Jury The United States has a very complicated system of evidentiary rules, for example, John Wigmore's celebrated treatise on it filled ten volumes. James Bradley Thayer reported in 1898 that even English lawyers were surprised by the complexity of American evidence law, such as its reliance on exceptions to preserve evidentiary objections for appeal. Some legal experts, notably Stanford legal historian Lawrence Friedman, have argued that the complexity of American evidence law arises from two factors, one, the right of American defendants to have findings of fact made by a jury in practically all criminal cases as well as many civil cases, and, Two, the widespread consensus that tight limitations on the admissibility of evidence are necessary to prevent a jury of untrained laypersons from being swayed by irrelevant distractions. In Professor Friedman's words, a trained judge would not need all these rules, and indeed, the law of evidence in systems that lack a jury is short, sweet, and clear. However, Friedman's views are characteristic of an earlier generation of legal scholars. The majority of people now reject the formerly popular proposition that the institution of trial by jury is the main reason for the existence of rules of evidence even in countries such as the United States and Australia, they argue that other variables are at work. Exclusion of Evidence Unfairness Under English law, evidence that would otherwise be admissible at trial may be excluded at the discretion of the trial judge if it would be unfair to the defendant to admit it. Evidence of a confession may be excluded because it was obtained by oppression or because the confession was made in consequence of anything said or done to the defendant that would be likely to make the confession unreliable. In these circumstances, it would be open to the trial judge to exclude the evidence of the confession under Section 78-1 of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984, PACE, 
or under Section 73 Pace, or under Common Law, although in practice the confession would be excluded under Section 76 Pace. Other admissible evidence may be excluded, at the discretion of the trial judge under 78 Pace, or at Common Law, if the judge can be persuaded that having regard to all the circumstances including how the evidence was obtained admission of the evidence would have such an adverse effect on the fairness of the proceedings that the court ought not to admit it. In the United States and other countries, evidence may be excluded from a trial if it is the result of illegal activity by law enforcement, such as a search conducted without a warrant. Such illegal evidence is known as the fruit of the poisonous tree and is normally not permitted at trial. In law and in religion, testimony is a solemn attestation as to the truth of a matter. Etymology The words testimony and testify both derive from the Latin word testis, referring to the notion of a disinterested third-party witness. Law In the law, testimony is a form of evidence that is obtained from a witness who makes a solemn statement or declaration of fact. Testimony may be oral or written, and it is usually made by oath or affirmation under penalty of perjury. To be admissible in court and for maximum reliability and validity, written testimony is usually witnessed by one or more persons who swear or affirm its authenticity also under penalty of perjury. Unless a witness is testifying as an expert witness, testimony in the form of opinions or inferences is generally limited to those opinions or inferences that are rationally based on the perceptions of the witness and are helpful to a clear understanding of the witness testimony. Legitimate expert witnesses with a genuine understanding of the legal process and the inherent dangers of false or misleading testimony refrain from making statements of fact. They also recognize that they are in fact not witnesses to an alleged crime or other event in any way, shape or form. Their expertise is in the examination of evidence or relevant facts in the case. They should make no firm judgment or claim or accusation about any aspect of the case outside their narrow range of expertise. They also should not allege any fact they can't immediately and credibly prove scientifically. For example, a hair sample from a crime scene entered as evidence by the prosecution should be described by an expert witness as consistent with a sample collected from the defendant, rather than being described as a match. A wide range of factors make it physically impossible to prove for certain that two hair or tissue samples came from a common source. Having not actually witnessed the defendant at the scene, the expert witness cannot state for a fact that the sample is a match to the defendant, particularly when the samples were collected at different times in different places by different collectors using different collection methods. Ultimately, the testimony of expert witnesses is regarded as supportive of evidence rather than evidence in and of itself, and a good defense attorney will point out that the expert witness is not in fact a witness to anything, but rather an observer. When a witness is asked a question, the opposing attorney can raise an objection which is a legal move to disallow or prevent an improper question to others, preferably before the witness answers, and mentioning one of the standard reasons, including Argumentative Asked and answered Best evidence rule Calls for speculation Calls for a conclusion Compound question or narrative Hearsay Inflammatory Incompetent witness, for example, child, mental or physical impairment, intoxicated, and irrelevant, immaterial, the words irrelevant and immaterial have the same meaning under the federal rules of evidence. Historically, irrelevant evidence referred to evidence that has no probative value, i.e., does not tend to prove any fact. Immaterial refers to evidence that is probative, but not as to any fact material to the case. Lack of foundation. Leading question. Privilege. Vague, and 
ultimate issued testimony. There may also be an objection to the answer, including non-responsive. Up until the mid-20th century, in much of the United States, an attorney often had to follow an objection with an exception to preserve the issue for appeal. If an attorney failed to take an exception immediately after the court's ruling on the objection, he waived his client's right to appeal the issue. Exceptions have since been abolished, due to the widespread recognition that forcing lawyers to take them was a waste of time. When a party uses the testimony of a witness to show proof, the opposing party often attempts to impeach the witness. This may be done using cross-examination, calling into question the witness's competence, or by attacking the character or habit of the witness. So, for example, if a witness testifies that he remembers seeing a person at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and his habit is to be at his desk job on Tuesday, then the opposing party would try to impeach his testimony related to that event. Religion Christians in general, especially within the evangelical tradition, use the term to testify or to give one's testimony to mean to tell the story of how one became a Christian. Commonly it may refer to a specific event in a Christian's life in which God did something deemed particularly worth sharing. Christians often give their testimony at their own baptism or at evangelistic events. Many Christians have also published their testimonies on the Internet. Types Many holiness churches devote a portion of their midweek service to allow members to give a personal testimony about their faith and experiences in living the Christian life. In the Religious Society of Friends, the word testimony is used to refer to the ways in which friends testify or bear witness to their beliefs in their everyday lives. In this context, the word testimony refers not to the underlying belief, but the committed action which arises out of their beliefs, which testifies to their beliefs. Common areas in which modern friends are said to testify include testimony towards peace, testimony to simplicity, testimony to truth and integrity, and testimony to equality. In some religions, most notably Mormonism and Islam, many adherents testify as a profession of their faith, often to a congregation of believers. In Mormonism, testifying is also referred to as bearing one's testimony and often involves the sharing of personal experience, ranging from a simple anecdote to an account of personal revelation, followed by a statement of belief that has been confirmed by this experience. Within Mormon culture, the word testimony has become synonymous with belief. Although testimony and belief are often used interchangeably, they are inherently different. Most Mormons believe that when faith is acted upon, individuals can receive a spiritual witness which solidifies belief into testimony. Mormons are taught that if the exercise of faith brings forth good works, they can know their religious principles are true. An individual who no longer believes in the religion is referred to as having lost their testimony. Large Group Awareness Training In the context of large group awareness training, anecdotal testimony may operate in the forms of sharing or delivering a share. Literature Some published oral or written autobiographical narratives are considered testimonial literature particularly when they present evidence or first-person accounts of human rights abuses, violence and war, and living under conditions of social oppression. This usage of the term comes originally from Latin America and the Spanish term testimonio when it emerged from human rights tribunals, truth commissions, and other international human rights instruments in countries such as Chile and Argentina. One of the most famous, though controversial, of these works to be translated into English is I, Rigoberta Menchu. The autobiographies of Frederick Douglass can be considered among the earliest significant English language works in this genre. Philosophy In philosophy, testimony is a proposition conveyed by one entity, person or group, to another entity, 
whether through speech or writing or through facial expression, that is based on the entity's knowledge base. The proposition believed on the basis of a testimony is justified if conditions are met which assess, among other things, the speaker's reliability, whether her testimony is true often, and the hearer's possession of positive reasons, for instance, that the speaker is unbiased. We can also, rationally accept a claim on the basis of another person's testimony unless at least one of the following is found to be true. 1. The claim is implausible. 2. The person or the source in which the claim is quoted lacks credibility. 3. The claim goes beyond what the person could know from his or her own experience and competence. Documentary evidence is any evidence that is, or can be, introduced at a trial in the form of documents, as distinguished from oral testimony. Documentary evidence is most widely understood to refer to writings on paper, such as an invoice, a contract or a will, but the term can also apply to any media by which information can be preserved, such as photographs, a medium that needs a mechanical device to be viewed, such as a tape recording or film, and a printed form of digital evidence, such as emails or spreadsheets. Normally, before documentary evidence is admissible as evidence, it must be proved by other evidence from a witness that the document is genuine, called laying a foundation. Documentary v. Physical Evidence A piece of evidence is not documentary evidence if it is presented for some purpose other than the examination of the contents of the document. For example, if a blood-spattered letter is introduced solely to show that the defendant stabbed the author of the letter from behind as it was being written, then the evidence is physical evidence, not documentary evidence. However, a film of the murder taking place would be documentary evidence, just as a written description of the event from an eyewitness. If the content of that same letter is then introduced to show the motive for the murder, then the evidence would be both physical and documentary. Authentication Documentary evidence is subject to specific forms of authentication, usually through the testimony of an eyewitness to the execution of the document, or to the testimony of a witness able to identify the handwriting of the purported author. Documentary evidence is also subject to the best evidence rule, which requires that the original document be produced unless there is a good reason not to do so. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Physical evidence, also called real evidence or material evidence, is any material object that plays some role in the matter that gave rise to the litigation, introduced as evidence in a judicial proceeding, such as a trial, to prove a fact an issue based on the object's physical characteristics. In American law, tampering. It is an offense at common law to tamper with, conceal, or destroy evidence knowing that it may be wanted in a judicial proceeding or is being sought by law enforcement officers. This is also a crime under statutes of many U.S. states. A 2004 review found that 32 states had a statute that prohibits, in some form, the concealment, destruction, or tampering with evidence. Evidence tampering generally refers to physical evidence and is not founded on false statements or the concealment of information by false statements. It falls within the broader set of obstruction of justice-related offenses, others include perjury, bribery, destruction of government property, contempt, and escape. Generally, the elements of the offense are, that the person had knowledge that an official proceeding or investigation is in progress or is likely to be instituted, that the person took, two, overt action to alter, destroy, conceal, or remove evidence, and that, three, the person had the purpose of impairing the value or availability of the evidence in the proceeding or investigation. Self-incrimination. In Pennsylvania v. Muniz, 1990, 
The U.S. Supreme Court distinguished physical and demeanor evidence from testimonial evidence, holding that evidence of the former does not engender Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit has held that physical evidence includes one's fingerprints, handwriting, vocal characteristics, stance, stride, gestures, or blood characteristics. Digital evidence or electronic evidence is any probative information stored or transmitted in digital form that a party to a court case may use at trial. Before accepting digital evidence a court will determine if the evidence is relevant, whether it is authentic, if it is hearsay and whether a copy is acceptable or the original is required. The use of digital evidence has increased in the past few decades as courts have allowed the use of emails, digital photographs, ATM transaction logs, word processing documents, instant message histories, files saved from accounting programs, spreadsheets, internet browser histories, databases, the contents of computer memory, computer backups, computer printouts, global positioning system tracks, logs from a hotel's electronic door locks, and digital video or audio files. Many courts in the United States have applied the federal rules of evidence to digital evidence in a similar way to traditional documents, although important differences such as the lack of established standards and procedures have been noted. In addition, digital evidence tends to be more voluminous, more difficult to destroy, easily modified, easily duplicated, potentially more expressive, and more readily available. As such, some courts have sometimes treated digital evidence differently for purposes of authentication, hearsay the best evidence rule, and privilege. In December 2006, strict new rules were enacted within the federal rules of civil procedure requiring the preservation and disclosure of electronically stored evidence. Digital evidence is often attacked for its authenticity due to the ease with which it can be modified, although courts are beginning to reject this argument without proof of tampering. Admissibility Digital evidence is often ruled inadmissible by courts because it was obtained without authorization. In most jurisdictions a warrant is required to seize and investigate digital devices. In a digital investigation this can present problems where, for example, evidence of other crimes are identified while investigating another. During a 1999 investigation into online harassment by Keith Schroeder investigators found pornographic images of children on his computer. A second warrant had to be obtained before the evidence could be used to charge Schroeder. Authentication As with any evidence, the proponent of digital evidence must lay the proper foundation. Courts largely concern themselves with the reliability of such digital evidence. As such, early court decisions required that authentication called for a more comprehensive foundation. U.S. v. Scholl, 1976. As courts became more familiar with digital documents, they backed away from the higher standard and have since held that computer data compilations should be treated as any other record. U.S. v. Vela, 1982. A common attack on digital evidence is that digital media can be easily altered. However, in 2002 a U.S. court ruled that the fact that it is possible to alter data contained in a computer is plainly insufficient to establish untrustworthiness, U.S. v. Pinalo, 1988. Nevertheless, the more comprehensive foundation required by Scholl remains good practice. The American Law Reports lists a number of ways to establish the comprehensive foundation. It suggests that the proponent demonstrate the reliability of the computer equipment, the manner in which the basic data was initially entered, the measures taken to ensure the accuracy of the data as entered, the method of storing the data and the precautions taken to prevent its loss, the reliability of the computer programs used to process the data, and the measures taken to verify the accuracy of the program. 
In its turn it gave rise to a breed of commercial software technology solutions designed to preserve digital evidence in its original form and to authenticate it for admissibility in disputes and in court. UK ASPO Guidelines In the United Kingdom, examiners usually follow guidelines issued by the Association of Chief Police Officers, ACPO, for the authentication and integrity of evidence. They were updated to version 5 in October 2011 when computer-based evidence was replaced with digital evidence reflecting the development of investigating information security incidents in a wider context. The guidelines consist of four principles. Principle 1, no action taken by law enforcement agencies, persons employed within those agencies or their agents should change data which may subsequently be relied upon in court. Principle 2, in circumstances where a person finds it necessary to access original data, that person must be competent to do so and be able to give evidence explaining the relevance and the implications of their actions. Principle 3, an audit trail or other record of all processes applied to digital evidence should be created and preserved. An independent third party should be able to examine those processes and achieve the same result. Principle 4, the person in charge of the investigation has overall responsibility for ensuring that the law and these principles are adhered to. These guidelines are widely accepted in courts of England and Scotland, but they do not constitute a legal requirement and their use is voluntary. It is arguable that whilst voluntary, non-adherence is almost certain to lead to the exclusion of evidence that does not comply subject to the provisions of S78 Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984, power to exclude evidence obtained unfairly. Adam Principles Building on the ASPO guidelines with a more generic application outside of law enforcement, a doctoral thesis proposed the following overriding principles to be followed by digital forensic practitioners. 1. The activities of the digital forensic practitioner should not alter the original data. If the requirements of the work mean that this is not possible then the effect of the practitioner's actions on the original data should be clearly identified and the process that caused any changes justified. 2. A complete record of all activities associated with the acquisition and handling of the original data and any copies of the original data must be maintained. This includes compliance with the appropriate rules of evidence, such as maintaining a chain of custody record, and verification processes such as hashing. 3. The digital forensic practitioner must not undertake any activities which are beyond their ability or knowledge. 4. The digital forensic practitioner must take into consideration all aspects of personal and equipment safety whilst undertaking their work. 5. At all times the legal rights of anyone affected by your actions should be considered. 6. The practitioner must be aware of all organizational policies and procedures relating to their activities. 7. Communication must be maintained as appropriate with the client, legal practitioners, supervisors and other team members. Best Evidence Rule Digital evidence is almost never in a format readable by humans, requiring additional steps to include digital documents as evidence, for example, printing out the material. It has been argued that this change of format may mean digital evidence does not qualify under the Best Evidence Rule. However, the Federal Rules of Evidence Rule 1013 states if data are stored in a computer, any printout or other output readable by sight, shown to reflect the data accurately, is an original. Commonly courts do not bar printouts under the best evidence rule. In Augie Matang v. California State Lottery, the court gave near per se treatment to the admissibility of digital evidence stating the computer printout does not violate the best evidence rule, because a computer printout is considered an original. The Law School of America
This has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. Thank you.